Welcome to PwC's Tax Reform Readiness podcast series. This podcast is an excerpt from PwC's Tax Reform Readiness webcast series, held on December 5, 2018, addressing year-end state tax considerations. The panelists for this webcast include Ken Kuykendall, a PwC tax partner and leader of our specialist networks, Rob Osman and Maureen Pahacek, both PwC tax partners in our state and local tax practice, as well as Amber Whalen, a director in our tax accounting services practice. This excerpt consists of a general discussion among the panelists of miscellaneous state tax considerations, including full expensing, net operating losses, dividends received deductions, and revenue recognition, among others. Have a listen. All right. So Maureen, I'm going to come to you. You can sort of take us home here. We're going to go through some additional state considerations, sort of pooling all these things up or just some things even beyond reform to think about from a state standpoint. So I'm going to come to you and then we'll finish up with the last polling question when we get there. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, it's crazy, right? If the big three weren't enough and it is very complicated, there still is a number, another, a number of other tax reform items. Hopefully these ones aren't as material and they're more clear, but the 168 full expensing, many states haven't adopted that. I think the key issue, though, is with NOLs. There's been a, most states, the majority of states, don't follow 172. They have their own NOL deduction. And when you have these limitations, like Rob talked about, where the federal has these NOL limitations, and then how you overlay the state side on that, that is, I think, the most gray of everything we've talked about and the most complicated. The DRD, we've pretty much talked about that that's a big issue. And then the one thing I want to mention on RevRec is there were some changes, you know, on the federal side on RevRec to more closely align many situations to book. But the bigger issue I just want to make sure the audience is focused on is because of the new RevRec procedures from a gap perspective. That happened this year. And you really do want to have documentation that you understand the changes that have been made for GAP and that you have evaluated whether or not they are material as it relates to the state tax area. And so everybody, that's sort of gone, everybody was really focused on that and then tax reform passed. And every and, and so it's been a little bit put to the backside. So I would just highlight that we should do that. So that's sort of it on tax reform, but that is not where the story ends. So um, you know, tax reform obviously is a huge issue for this year, but it's really critical for everybody not to forget, just as Amber and Rob have mentioned, that you have to look at all of the changes that occurred, whether or not they affected tax reform in 2018. And I'm just going to go through a few key provisions that have been adopted that can have some significant impact. First of all, both Kentucky and New Jersey went to combined reporting. And if you look at New Jersey is a fairly significant state for many of our clients. Kentucky maybe much so you have a major facility there, but they've also now gone to single sales. So, so you know what, what you're really seeing very common across the United States is states going to combined reporting and single sales factor and market-based sourcing. Those are sort of the three major things and it's been a trend for the last 10 years. But some of the key things on New Jersey that's effective this year is they've gone to combined reporting. Secondly, they used to be a federal NOL state where it was sort of a pre-apportion, they just followed your federal NOL, but now they've gone to a post-apportionment NOL provision, and so you have to recompute your NOL on a post-apportion basis, and then you're gonna have to track it because they have kept it year by year. 
The other thing they did is they used to give you 100% DRD, but now it's 95% DRD. And then they did put a specific provision because they know these numbers are very significant with 965, that they are going to allow you on that 5% of DRD to either use your apportionment factor for the prior three years average or 3.5%, trying to get sort of to a market-based sourcing there. If you go over to Colorado and Missouri and Maryland, they have gone to market-based sourcing and um, mandatory single sales in Missouri and Maryland is phasing in. So you can see, again, a clear trend that more and more states are adopting. And this is where whenever you use the same as last year for your provision, you know, for your apportionment, you really can't do that with all these law changes. You've got to recompute it in the, you know, when the laws have been passed. So those are some examples of some of the legislative changes. Um, I'm going to now talk about one a very big case that came out this year. And some people might say we've had our webcast on Wayfair. Wayfair is a sales tax case. Why are we talking about it for year-end provision? And um, I want to talk about why many companies have decided that it does have an income tax ramification. As we know, many states, maybe six to 10 states, state Supreme Court cases have come out over the last 10 years and had said that the Quill decision did not apply to income tax. And so therefore, you did not need physical presence to be subject to an income tax. Many of our clients said, well, we don't think that's true. We think that this, the US Supreme Court, when they decide the case, is going to say there's one Commerce Clause standard for all taxes, and it's not going to matter if it's sales tax or income tax. Well, when Wayfarers basically says there's no standard anymore for sales tax, I think a lot of people think it's going to be pretty hard to say there's a physical standard for income tax when we have multiple state Supreme Court cases that have said there's not. And so in light of that, the companies and the areas where I think people are looking at it is if you're not a seller of tangible personal property where you're subject to public law 86272 as a protection. So if you can't raise that because you sell services, you sell software, or you sell um, you know, financial instruments, that you really have to look at in a number of these states that have do have clear economic guidance, not because of Wayfair, but just going back on the income tax. And we have had a number of companies setting up provisions uh, for Nexus reserves relating to that. And where I've seen some people say, well, we, we really, it, you know, whether you're intangible holding companies, most companies have had those set up historically, but not all. So there are a lot of them are saying this is one time when we better reevaluate. And then a lot of our companies have internal factoring entities, and they maybe need to regroup to say, hey, should I have provisions on that? And then any kind of loan companies or financing entities out, that are out there. So that's where you know, I think that you're seeing state people evaluating Wayfair. And although Wayfair came out in June, there's a lot of activity. I think people want to make sure at a minimum by year end, they've evaluated the case and decided if they think that they should set up reserves. And I think from a provision perspective, Nexus is always a complicated issue because it's a position where you haven't filed a return. So then how do you look at measurement and recognition from that perspective? And Wayfair just might further complicate those considerations. Absolutely, because you know, no statute, no statute of limitations. Most companies have had a policy because they've had other Nexus reserves that they might use that policy, whatever number of years or whatever. But yeah, no, a very big issue.
And, and let's be honest, this isn't even a U.S.-specific issue. I mean, the, the, the notion of PE discussions are going to physical presence. So Wayfair, you're right, is, is, is not an income-based tax. So, you know, what we're going through here is dealing with um, sales and use tax and that space. But I will say it's just a broader discussion that's going to continue to play out there and people are going to have to focus on as they start to think about uncertain tax positions and what happens. That's a really good point to think about with the inbound companies too, right? Inbound companies are used to be uh, PE components or treaty protections. States aren't necessarily bound by that. So we should at least evaluate what's happening from a state perspective of like the the connectivity to the state. And then, you know, is it a $100 tax issue or something greater? You can then kind of get to that point. You know, it's a really good point on the inbounds is, you know, really, you probably have nexus, right? Like you have nexus if you're yeah. you, if you're in the market, in, in, unless you're protected, and then arguably even PL 86272 doesn't apply to foreign commerce. But assuming you get through that, I think that you know one of the issues on the inbounds is if you have no federal taxable income because you don't have a PAE, and is that because of a treaty or not of a treaty? You're you're now talking about a whole nother group of issues that we could have a whole nother webcast on. <laughs> <laughs> it's the next webcast. The next webcast. Okay, it'll be the next one. Yes. All right. Well, so in summary, just we've covered a lot today, right? A lot of different issues. I think some of the key items is to really understand your indefinite reinvestments under APB 23 and whether you're lifting that, the tax and attributes. And as Rob mentioned, and this is so key, is the interconnectivity between the federal teams, the international teams, and the state from a provision perspective, from a modeling perspective. I mean, what the international teams are doing are huge numbers, but if you're not thinking about the state ramifications, you don't want a surprise at the end. Even if it's not material, it's, 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 if it's a surprise, it doesn't matter. You know, again, in terms of it might not, it might matter for provision, but I mean, clients don't want surprises. We talked, to, and then the tax law and regulations, and the key is to document everything. I think those are really the key issues. Yeah, that's come up a bunch here today. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like more information about this topic, please email the speakers. You can find their contact information in the description of this episode. Thank you.